All right, welcome to uh, another fantastic episode of Inappropriate Earl. Uh, you guys know when I started this podcast, I wanted to just interview my friends, my comedy friends. And then once I realized those get about eight views an episode, I had to uh, start branching out to like my favorite wrestlers and singers. And I've been lucky enough to have the great Stephen Piercy sit on my couch. I've had Rowdy Roddy Piper sit on my couch. My favorite drummer of all time, Steady Freddie Corey, on my couch. And when I started going after musicians, I said, I want three guitar players on my couch. I want Vinnie Vincent, and uh, no one can find him. Uh, I want Kane Roberts, and he told me no. Uh, and the third is on my couch right now. I am humbled and honored to have the great Nita Strauss. And in, in, in that company, too. I'm, I'm the one who's very, very honored. Thank you so much for having me. No, no, I mean... Uh, most people think I'm insane for liking Vinnie Vincent. Uh, I don't think you're insane at all. Vinnie Vincent Invasion was hilariously awesome. And their first album came out the year you were born. Was which it? Was it really 86? 1986, and it's also the year I graduated high school. So uh, <laughs> I feel really that, fucking old. That double V guitar was was pretty cool, too. Vinnie Vincent came up with some cool stuff. But I uh, I just read this this kind of like expose thing on Vinnie Vincent saying how, uh, you know, this sort of they tracked down this sort of shack that he was living in and stuff. It's kind of a bummer of a piece. Well, you know, it's why I sometimes never want to meet some of my... Uh, I play no instruments, but uh, like you're an idol of mine. I'm a fan, I guess you'd say. Oh, thank and, you uh, so much. I hear you're very nice through uh, Josh. <laughs> what? the, What's happening? One of the highest uh, downloaded episodes ever, Josh Vialta. That's me. That's me. Um, so I thank you for coming back. Yes, thank you for having me. And uh, But you know, I hear Vinny is a bit of an eccentric person, so I don't want to meet him. That's what you, isn't that the article you sent me? Well, Wait. I bought his box set on cassette. And it showed up and nothing was in it. So uh, so there you go. So I just bought a t-shirt from your website. Which I thank you very much for, for doing that. And I want everyone to go to NitaStrauss.com. Please. <laughs> uh, no, she didn't tell me to say that. We've literally, I've known her for about three minutes. This is true. And, you know, I'm sure she uh, makes nice uh, uh, coin or whatever, but it always helps <laughs> to buy a little more. Well, I'm actually I'm so excited about the website. It's it's so cool that you bring it up so you know early on like this. Uh, you know, I'm I'm super super excited because I'm working on uh, totally revamping neastrauss.com right now. There's like some really cool new merch coming out, phone cases and new T-shirts and uh, posters and all this cool stuff. So there's a lot of really really cool things. There's going to be a I do a segment of my website called Ask Nita Anything. We're going to do it live for the first time sometime next month. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of new developments, a lot of cool stuff coming out on the site. Where do you find the time? You're so busy. I don't. <laughs> Josh does. Josh does. <laughs> yeah, I kind of force a lot of things. Like yeah. That. <laughs> that's, yes. It's well, the unisex. He forces a lot of things on me. Things. <laughs> well, we don't have to get into that. I mean, that's. Uh, well, well, yeah, uh, that's why we're here. This is, you are inappropriate. So. Yeah, but I try and be respectful. Thank you. And my parents will most likely hear this. <laughs> oh, no. That's yeah. why I got to be, you know, like, okay, what dumb questions can I ask? Because I first saw you, I think, at Paladino's. With the Iron Maidens. The Iron Maidens. My friend had said, you got to see these girls. They're unbelievable. They they play better than uh, Iron Maiden plays their own songs. That is so are kind you of full of shit. Or are you really being serious? No, I'm being serious. Oh, because it was funny. You know, we talk all the time, and it's funny. You never because I guess you were saving it all for the show. Well, yeah, but because he's never mentioned that he's seen you play. 
I've you never asked. Josh me. has never seen me play. <laughs> yeah. I've seen her play. I haven't. <laughs> well, I thought, and don't please don't take this the wrong way. I had no visual of what you girls look like. I'm like, this got to be a pretty ugly band. If you look, <laughs> if you a look, lot of people think that. Well, I mean, just I'm like, all right, how ugly do you have to be to look to like play Bruce guitar? Dickinson? Well, how or, ugly do you have to be to play to play guitar well enough to to play Iron Maiden songs? Well, I <laughs> the mean, answer I got, is not that ugly. I hopefully. really want to see <laughs> what the girl who plays dave murray's parts look like looks like it looks a lot like me <laughs> well no i mean you're i uh, respectfully i say this in front of josh you're very beautiful thank you very much um but do you hate hearing that like i'm sh- no like oh okay because <laughs> at the end of the day you are a lady but but uh tell tell say remember how like one thing when like people ask you about the guitar playing stuff I just find that interesting, like when guys interviews and stuff. Oh, you you mean like just you know people asking you know who's your favorite girl guitar player and all this kind of stuff? It just it never occurred to me to have a, a favorite girl guitar player. I just have favorite guitar players, you know, Steve Vai and Jason Becker, who I actually just met the other day, and and uh, and Satriani and Paul Gilbert and Marty Friedman. You know, they just never really occurred to me. And you know, I think a, a good guitar player should be a good guitar player. If you close your eyes, you know, if you close your eyes, the, the greatest compliment I got um, in, in a review of the Iron Maidens was if you close your eyes, you think it's Dave Murray up there playing, which is a great compliment because I, you know, I don't want people to look at me and go, oh, is the chick, you know, I, I just want to go. Yeah, that's a good guitar player. Yeah, I mean, it must be hard be, because being beautiful and talented. Oh, but- it's, it's a it's a you know, life is <laughs> just so hard. No, you know what? It, it, you know, I and a lot of people and are respectful and you know the same way they just were and say, you know, is it, do you do you mind talking about your looks? It's like you know, I know I'm aware of who I am. You know, and it would be a very easy thing to not go to the gym and you know not not keep my looks up and I'd probably be a lot better guitar player. But I think it's I think it's really important in this day and age to to you know, be as much of the total package as you can, you know, have the stage presence, have the look, have the charisma, have the playing ability. And so I just try to cover all the bases. That's really all it is. Well, you remind me, uh, you know, I know I, I mentioned Kane Roberts before. Kane is so awesome. Well, Kane, now that I've got need on, I think you can come on too, buddy. Kane, uh, if, if, if you're listening, Kane, I will listen to that episode. <laughs> well, but I think he always suffered from the same problem you do. You're a lot prettier than Kane. <laughs> but I mean, he was known uh, not necessarily as a, a great guitar player, which I thought he was and is, but yeah, for his body. Great songwriter, great, great guitar player. And you know what? Here's something funny not a lot of people know. I think Kane Roberts knew that I had the gig with Alice Cooper before I knew. How how's that so? Uh, somebody somebody told me, uh, you know, I was going through the audition process and I was getting ready to leave out of town with some for some shows with the Iron Maidens, and uh, I was out at a bar, you know, at my at my old near my old place in the Valley, and uh, somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, I heard congratulations are in order," and I said, "Where'd you hear that?" He's like, "Kane told me," and I was like, "Kane told you? Nobody even told me." <laughs> now wait, I thought he was the Undertaker's brother. How's that? No, that's wrestling. <laughs> We're doing cross wrestling. So that's what Josh is for. Josh is like my wacky co-host right now. But I mean, what's the audition process like? Do you, are you told, hey, learn five songs? Or um, I auditioned with Shep Gordon and Bob Ezrin. You know, Shep has been uh, managing Alice for I think forty-five years now, and Bob Ezrin, of course, is one of the greatest producers of all time. And uh, so they were the ones that kind of handled my audition process. They were uh, Bob was really you know Shep is more of the the crazy mastermind genius of the whole, you know, the stage show and, 
and the whole thing. And Bob is more the musical musical director of everything. So I did my first round of auditions and Bob called me up. He goes, this is just, he goes, listen, 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 Nita, this is not what we want at all. You know, he, his exact words were, can you do anything else? <laughs> and I was just like, because, uh, and I, I mean, I really did pull out all the stops in that first audition. I was like, oh, I'm going to show them everything I can do. Every, I pulled out every trick in the book and, you know, I knew they wanted somebody over the top. I knew they wanted somebody with a big personality. And I told Shep when I met him, I said, sir, you know, with all due respect, there's a lot of great guitar players, but the one thing I can give you that nobody else can give you is personality. And they said, okay, let's see it. So I pulled out all the stops. I was just doing all this, you know, just absolutely over the top, you know, silly stuff. And Bob goes, this is not what we want. I mean, you know, do you know what band you're auditioning for? Like, this isn't it at all. So, you know, I, I ended up doing a much more sort of rock and roll second pass at it. And, you know, they let me through after that one. Like how nerve wracking is it to have Bob Ezrin, like, not uh, give you that criticism? Do you, do you like? Well, it's interesting, you know, because I, I take, I feel, I feel like I take critique of my playing really well, you know, constructive critique of my playing. But it was so surreal to have who, you know, a guy who I really consider the greatest and you know, one of the greatest rock producers of all time call me up and just go look this is not what we want right. <laughs> you know and i said well can you tell me i said you know can you give me any direction he goes not that yeah not that <laughs> i was like well well shit no he hung up on me another time but yeah <laughs> you know well the, you know the great thing about bob is he he really knows what he wants but he lets he kind of lets you come to it on your own you know in a way of you know, I do. I wish he would have said, "Yeah, I want to hear you play more pentatonic. This, I want to hear you more in the box. I want to hear you more this and that." He's just like, "No, think about what band you're auditioning for, and do that. Don't do." You know, I was just doing this real over the top shred stuff, and you know, I guess, I guess it's not. It was, it was wildly inappropriate. Now that I think back on it, the two side notes, um, Shep has uh, this badass documentary. Great on documentary. Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. I just started Super watching it. It's when you watch that, you look at him like in a whole other light. It's like makes wow. you want to live your life a little better after seeing that movie. Like the that guy is a genius, a I visionary mean, to the max. It's really crazy. And then the other thing, which which is funny, adding to her story, uh, what Alice said in interviews after. Oh yeah, so Bob Bob uh, Bob said, "Look, we don't want a shredder in this band. We need a rock guitar player." And now you know it's funny. I watch out interviews with Alice, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm so happy. I you know." I really wanted a shredder. You know, I'm happy I have a shredder now. It's like, yeah, yeah. I had a little. I guess I also had a little bit of a come to Jesus moment with the with the shred stuff. And he's, you know, and you know, it was such a seamless transition in the band. There's three guitar players: myself, Ryan Roxy, and Tommy Hendrickson. And uh, we just gelled right away. You know, Ryan's a real rock guy. Tommy Tommy is a producer by trade, um, so he's really, you know, kind of holds down there. And he does some great solos, but. You know, he Tommy really holds down the rhythm. Ryan really holds down the rock stuff. And then when it's time for me, it just you know, when, when it's time for the jet to take off, that's when I come in. <laughs> no, I mean I had to uh, drive Ryan Roxy to a Kiss concert once. Did you? <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget it. He's like, "Girl, I got two tickets." I'm like, "Oh, great! I just need one." You know, I I can't. None of my friends are Kiss fans. He's like, "Well, Gene made me buy two. <laughs> that sounds about right. So uh, full full price. Oh, absolutely, Ryan. Uh, he's me and him are both Jewish, so it was uh, <laughs> quite. And Glenn Sobel is Glenn uh, Sobel is also Jewish. <laughs> well, and uh, I am excited because he was the drummer on the very last Shark Island album, which uh -huh. I am obsessed with. Uh, Shark Island. Glenn, you know it's so funny. I I was actually a fan separately 
I didn't. I, the only one I didn't really know was Tommy. In, you know, that's in the Alice Band now. But I was a fan separately of every single member of the Alice Cooper Band. And if I would have known Tommy was in Doro, he was in Warlock, yeah. I would have been a fan of that too. I didn't know he played bass in Warlock in like '88, which is badass. I love Warlock. Wait, who's the one they had the poster of? Ryan Roxy. Uh -oh. I had. See, I should. He already knows this. I should have never told him. But I had Ryan's. You know, when I was a when I was growing up as a teenager, I had. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I actually had a lot of Alice Cooper's former guitar players on my walls. I had Red Beach up there. I had oh, Al wow. Petrelli up there. You know, I had all this stuff. And right, you know, on the wall, the left side wall where my bed was, I had Ryan Roxy's GMP guitars ad. I made the mistake of telling him that once, <laughs> which I should have oh, never done. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, now it's it's kind of like, a you know, the movie Rockstar moment where it's like, I'm just a regular guy that grew up with pictures of these guys on my walls. And now I'm one of them. And, you know, I look to, I, you know, I play on stage left. I look to the right. There's Ryan Roxy and Alice Cooper. And it's, it's pretty insane. Well, I had my ex-girlfriend see you guys in uh, Pennsylvania. Cool, uh, cool. And she said she couldn't keep uh, her eyes off you. So. Oh yeah. She said, well, I mean, listen. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't. Uh, she said you were just like, and everyone's great in the band, absolutely. absolutely. But she, you know, you have this star quality that she. That just, is so nice. Please tell her thank you, or she listens. Thank you. She does listen to see what I say. Well, thanks. <laughs> you know, it's. I, I try to I try to to let Alice be the front man. You know, all of us. I mean, there's no overshadowing Alice. You couldn't if you tried. You know, all I can do is maybe take some heat off him every once in a while when I when I do a long solo or something, so he can have a little bit of a break. Doesn't have to be constantly on the, you know, on the prowl, having to entertain everybody 100% of the time. That's really, you know, all all Ryan and I for the most part do is try to take a little bit of the heat, you right. know, and or take a little bit of the attention, however you want to think of it. Because I mean, uh, Alice has had quite a number of uh, lineup changes through the years, but this yes. band has been pretty. Uh, coherent i guess you'd say it's been it the band as a whole now i think has been together for a while i think uh i i came in about a year ago a year ago this month and uh before me i think the lineup was together for about three years one year anniversary here on the show dude Look just at that. about yeah listen and i apologize for the first time you were supposed to you be here very <laughs> hollywood uh no no <laughs> when you're when you're a complete nobody like me <laughs> uh you have to uh, take the work when you get it and, I uh, had a rabbi that. beard not too long ago, and then he comes in the other day in the gym for his he did some audition he had to shave it off. I was blown away. I he missed looked, the beard. You missed. I I looked like well, there's really I looked like a baby Zach Wild. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, you know now I look like uh, oh gee I don't know just an some, IT guy. A, a cool IT guy who works out a little bit. No, just with an leather, IT guy. With leather Adidas <laughs> pants. Or... Uh, I mean, you know, uh, but I love and wearing... shiny shoes. And shiny oh, shoes. yeah, this is... I'm a full package, like fashion comedy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you yeah, know... The comedy part, right? Well, now I got to work on the comedy. You guys just going to give me... the fashion part of... The comedy part of your fashion. But, I mean, my uh, whole goal is when I'm on stage, uh, maybe this is yours as well, is uh, you want people to notice you, like... Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I just think about being as cool. I just want to be as cool as Steve Vai was in Crossroads. Right. That's all I ever want in my whole life is just to be as cool as Steve Vai was in that movie. That's impossible. I know. <laughs> but it's, you know, I think everybody should have one, you know, sort of unattainable highest peak goal in their life. You know, it's good to set goals. It's good to set goals for yourself that you can attain and you can feel good when you've done them. You know, I'm going to bench press this much. I'm going to run this far in this amount of time. But everybody should have this one you know, unattainable peak goal. You're like, I'm always going to be striving for that. And mine is, I want to be as cool as Steve I was in Crossroads, but not at the very end of 
the scene. Right. You know. When he can't do the like four bends. Uh, <laughs> right. When <laughs> he Ralph Macchio. Yeah, Ralph Macchio was teaching him. Yeah, yeah Ralph right. Macchio taking him to school. You know, we were saying this the other day. Ralph Macchio has had a, like kind of kind of cool career because he just gets. He gets these roles where he's just really good at really difficult things. Yeah. Karate. <laughs> like karate yeah. and shredding. You know, like, it's that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, my goal is just to look as cool as Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens. I mean, really idle. Yeah, I mean, he just... And the, and the guitar player on the Vince Neil Exposed album, which we were just talking about, some of his finest work and totally underrated guitar work on that album. Along with Dave Marshall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, like, a real... Uh, you know what Rain Man s quality to tell you who played on you know Vince Neil and and Steve Stevens uh, his his flamenco albums are amazing too his solo albums are unreal yeah flamenco a go 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 nuts and uh, the, I think he did some albums with Bozio and uh, mm-hmm. Levin shred stuff yeah uh, twenty eleven so. Yeah. Now I hear rumors of a solo album from you that's, uh, that's true the rumors are all true now what's that gonna be about. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been going back and forth, you know, should I write a rock album? Should I write it, you That's know, do all this stuff? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, what I've landed on is, you know, I'm a metal kid. I'm a thrash kid. I grew up playing death metal, you know, and that's what I still listen to on my own time. I just want to make an album I like now, you know, I can write a rock album, you know, I can write, you know, there's, there's time for this, but you know, I just want to come out swinging really hard for my first album on my own. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to write the album that comes out from my heart and, uh, hopefully people like it. I don't know how, how well Alice Cooper fans are going to understand it, you know, a sort of like super heavy seven string down tuned instrumental shred album, but that's what's in, that's, that's what, you know, that's what my heart wants to do. Now, will it be instrumentals? So, uh, like, will you sing on it? You know, I want people to buy it, so <laughs> I'm not going to sing on it. <laughs> if I was singing on it, I don't think it would do too well. You know, I'm I'm just going to see how it sounds when I write it. You know, I'm kind of have it in my head now, maybe a half-half kind of thing. You know, I've got some ideas, you know, for some singers I'd like to have on it, and I, I'm going to uh, let, let singers do what singers do on it. Uh, hopefully, I want to... Um, I'm friends with Tina Guo, who's an amazing cello, like shred cello player. I just played on her metal album, so she owes me one. I'm gonna make her play, you know, maybe do a like a sort of metal Vivaldi type thing, not like great cat style, like you know, like less sloppy. Right. <laughs> and um, and and just kind of see what comes out. You know, I just I just wanted to come out swinging hard, and that's that's my that's the bottom line with it. Now you've yet to play on an Alice album, right? I have not played on an Alice album yet. But you probably will, and then uh, hope. Fingers crossed. It, oh, it, I certainly hope so. It'd be a, a great, great honor to play on on his next record. Are there any plans for a, a new record? Uh, right now, he's he's actually finishing up the the covers record that he's been doing for a while. He, he's been in the studio working on that uh, since "Welcome to My Nightmare," and um, and so he's working on the you know this this great covers album. And he calls it uh, a tribute to. He calls he says all my dead drunk friends. The Hollywood vampires himself and Jim Morrison and uh, John Lennon, you know, all these guys used to hang out and party and drink and stuff together. And uh, and we actually do a lot of it in the set now. You know, in our headline show, we do a door song. We do My Generation by The Who. We do Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix, which I love, not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they said, you know, you got to do a Hendrix song. I was like, not Foxy. They're like, yeah, like really. <laughs> what would uh, what if you could pick your own Hendrix song? I wouldn't pick that one. Let's just say. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't pick. Well, I just oh man, I of all of all guitar players in the entire world, 
I have to play Foxy because, you know, knowing knowing me, knowing my playing, which I know you do a little bit, I'm not a Hendrix player. You know, I'm a I'm I'm a shred kid. And the and the way I do Hendrix is just so appalling. Even to me, every time I do it, it makes me laugh. I mean, it's fun. You know, I, I have a great time doing it, but it's just so sort of like disrespectful to Jimi Hendrix because it's it's such a laid back easy blues kind of feel and I'm such a not laid back not easy not blues kind of guitar player you know so it's it's just like it's a wildly inappropriate rendition of Hendrix that I think you're selling yourself way too short no I mean it's fun to watch I'll I'll say that you know it's fun to watch but but uh it's just so inappropriate I mean I saw inappropriate uh, Hendrix Inappropriate Nita. <laughs> Inappropriate Nita. Well, yeah. Anybody that sees the Alice Cooper's headline show, uh, wait till uh, about 20 minutes before the end. One of the, one of the last five songs. We'll see if you see, if you stay for Foxy Lady, you'll see Inappropriate Nita. <laughs> and it's funny. Speaking of, of just totally inappropriate playing, we do this. We did this jam, uh, this charity thing that Shep Gordon puts on every year. Alice's manager for a Maui Food Bank, and uh, we're jamming with the Doobie Brothers, doing like China Grove, taking it to the streets. You know all these kind of songs and I was so tired we were in these super long rehearsals and we had these like few eight hour you know eight ten hour rehearsal days must have been longer 12 hour rehearsal days and I was so tired that I just defaulted to like full shred you know trading solos with you know with the, the guys from the Doobie Brothers and the you know these great blues blues guys and then you know they point to me and I just ripped into this like like sweeps and tapping and oh and then like and this big dive bomb and then at the end, Chuck Garrett, our bass player, just looked at me and he gave me that look, you know, that famous look of Kanye West at the basketball game. He was like, bro. <laughs> 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 it's just like, what? what did you just do? I was like, oops. That's all good. I mean, uh, Josh showed me a clip of you playing with Brad Gillis. Oh, man. Yeah, that's how I showed him all those videos. Who's oh, like man. one of my favorites. Mine as well. And you more than held your own. Yeah. That, oh, well, thank you very much. Like, that, was, that was nuts. I kind of forgot about that. And Kenny Aronoff, I think, was Kenny, on drums. Yeah. And like, you know, Glenn John Sobel was, was there playing as well. And uh, and who else was playing? Uh, Rudy Sarzo on bass and Phil X playing guitar. Yeah, and it's, it's just totally nuts. Like a who's a, who. That was a... Uh, Definitely, it was a Brad Gillis day. It was a Brad. It was it was a Brad Gillis fest. It was uh, it was a jam for a for a documentary I was a part of called Hired Gun, uh, which is a, yeah. Franz Stryan put put out this 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 great uh, this great documentary, uh, and it's it was such a cool thing. You know, they're talking. It's kind of like there's that movie. It was a uh, Forty Feet from Stardom or uh, oh, the backup singers. Yeah, the backup singers. Right. I don't remember the exact title of the movie, but this is about the hired gun band members so they've got phil x who now is playing guitar in bon jovi you know and john uh five. john five and you know all these things and these great musicians and uh it was so cool that i got to be a part of that and then at the end they sort of filmed this big jam and uh they're like you're in la you know you want to come down i was like yeah and then i got there i was like oh god <laughs> you know yeah. phil chen playing bass and you know it was just just totally total insanity yeah, I mean, it was pretty neat to see you and Brad Gill. I think it was an Aussie song you guys were uh, doing. Quiet, yeah. Come on, feel the noise. We were doing. Yeah. We did the dive thing together. Yeah, we did. The, I, I got to I got to do a whammy harmony with Brad Gillis, and you know the funniest thing is, uh, we played. Uh, Alice does a, a, a charity show in December every year called Alice Cooper's Christmas Pudding. It's sort of a mishmash of all these bands, and this year it was. 
P.O.D. and Us and Night Ranger and, and these other bands. And Brad was up in our dressing room. He goes, and I had just, just meeting him for the first time, you know, or, or only really speaking to him for the first time. He goes, Nita, he goes, I've seen videos of you play easier wearing bar a lot. Try this. And he just starts showing me this trick that he does. And I was like, that's rad. Do that again. He goes, here, start on 12, then go to 7, then start on 8, then go. And I was like, like this? He's correcting my technique and stuff. And I was like, dude, thank you so much. Next time I see you, I'll have this down. And then I saw him a month later. He goes, remember that thing I taught you? I said, yes, I do. And it, it was just, it was a cool moment that he actually remembered that he did that. Now, you've recently had a pretty cool experience with uh, Jason Becker. Yes, a really, really amazing experience. Josh will probably tell the story better than I will. (laughs) Let me tell you how this whole thing went down, right? You start. (laughs) This is an interesting story. So the way it started was uh, we were... Where she showed me the movie, she always wanted to show me Crossroads because I've been getting her into watching movies. She used to hate watching movies, and I kind of hate watching movies too. But I'm I'm very stuck on like '80s. I'm an '80s kid, '80s, '90s. I mean, I've watched every movie. In that he made era. me watch uh, just one of the guys last night. Yeah, oh, that's one of my favorite movies ever. That movie's awesome. I was like the little brother in that. Movie. <laughs> we were just talking about that on the way over here. Just some horny guy <laughs> pump she's, anything. She's gonna, she's gonna come over and. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Dude, that kid is hilarious in that movie. Um, been showing her like a, a what? Coming to America. She's in love with. License uh, to Drive, license to which drive. is funny because I played guitar in L- Lorraine Lewis's revamped Femme Fatale. Right. And so we're watching License to Drive. And then all of a sudden, Waiting for the Big One comes. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I play guitar on that song now. <laughs> I mean, you were two years old when that movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've shown her so many movies. Anyway, so uh, she was like, kind of like, oh, I got to show you Crossroads. You never seen it? I was like, no. She's like, Ralph Macho. An was 80s like, movie that he hadn't seen. I was, yeah. I was like, Ralph Macho? Wait, he's done other shit other than Karate Kid? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I forget all this stuff. I mean, my cousin Vinny, which I actually just showed her too. Mm-hmm. She loved that one. She, ah! <laughs> That's her it's laugh. Funny. When she gets really anyway, it's funny. Um, so... Uh, so she showed me that, and about three months, about a month and a half prior to that, she showed me the Jason Becker documentary. And Jason I knew Becker we, is not dead yet. It's yeah, called. It's not, it's a, Who's it's an amazing, like, it's really sad story, but just basically one of the, the greatest, one of the greatest guitar players to ever step foot on this earth. And uh, right when he got the gig playing guitar for David Lee Roth, out of, of I think age eighteen, you know, eighteen nine, he was very young was diagnosed with ALS and was no longer able to play. And the doctors gave him three to five years to live. And this is now, I think, 25 years ago, 26 years ago. Uh, and he is, you know, thriving, composing music. You know, he's, he's he and his, his dad have developed a communication system using his eyes. And it's just a really, really incredible story, you know. And, and anybody that's uh, listening to this, just... Go watch that movie. Go watch that I movie. Mean, it's, it's yeah. the, talking about Buy it, it on you, iTunes. You don't get it. Yeah. And even if you're even kind of weird about it, just go to YouTube, type in Jason Becker movie and watch Jason the trailer. Jason Becker trailer. And yeah. you'll, I mean, it'll change your life. I mean, it changed my life being there, but we'll get to that and how it happened. <laughs> we'll get to that on another podcast. <laughs> right, right. But we'll get to how it We've happened. we only got so, a half hour here. Yeah, you got, yeah come on. <laughs> so I mean, check this out. So she showed me that. I was like, cool. At the end, you know, she was showing me the, the Steve I thing. And I was like, yeah. I was Crossroads. Like, in Crossroads. I was like, yeah, he's pretty badass. I was like, you know what, though? I mean, I knew who Steve I was. I'm pretty familiar with guitar players. I was like, he's badass. I was like, but that guy Jason Becker was in a whole nother level. And she's like, I know. That's why I love him. Da, da, da. And I had the idea. I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to fucking contact the family and make this happen because I know she's a fan of them. So I just contacted the family. I said, hey, look, you know, I work with Nina Strauss and she's a big fan. Um, I would really love, you know, if, find a way to set up for them to meet. So the next day, the email, I, I did that the next day. I saw it the movie the next day. The day after that following, they, they contacted me back and I said, you know, thank you for contacting us. They put from Jason. And he said, thank you very much for contacting him. I'm a big Nina Strauss fan, very familiar who she is. Wow. He said he saw the video of me playing the national anthem at, at an LA Kiss football game, which I was just like, Jason Becker already knew who That's I was. Neat. Yeah, like, so, uh, and yeah. I was blown away when I read it. I was like, holy shit. And they're like, hey, you can either come this Sunday or next Thursday, it'll be best. And I was like, I was freaking out because I was like, this is so awesome. It's going to make her happy. And I didn't know. Yeah, she didn't know until she got there. And she didn't even know really. I mean, okay, so... We got, I got the thing happening. So I was like, I went to her and I was like, how am I going to get this? How am I going to make this happen? So I was thinking really fast on my feet. And I was like, hey. Um, I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, trust me, I do. So business, I was like, I got this business opportunity for you. Listen, I was like, who's that guy? I was like, what's the hardest thing you know how to play? She's like, Malmsteen, you know, Satriani. And so I was like, no, who's that guy? Jason Beckham. She's like, Jason Becker, you know his name. You watch <laughs> I got all mad. Yeah, she got all mad. She's like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Beckham. Yeah, Come on. And so uh, she was like, I was like, yeah, learn one of his stuff. She's like, I can't do it. I, can't. I was like, I guess you can. She's like, I can't. I was like, I'm telling you. Look, learn it. There's other. I he told like, me it was an audition, and yeah. he said there are other people that they're considering over you. You have to learn the hardest thing to show them all up because they said he said the magic the magic words to any guitar player, but especially to me, you know, grew, growing up as the only girl guitar player I knew, the only you know the youngest guitar player and you know that I knew all this stuff. The magic words were they asked how fast you can play. They asked, they asked, they said, they said, oh, we seen what she can do, but is that it? Like, is that her ceiling? I was like, fuck no. <laughs> like, and I, and I told her, I was like, listen, I was like, I told him you're way better. And, you know, I was like, I, but I just, this is the hard, you can do it. She's like, I'm not at that level. I'm like, yes, you are. Learn how to play it. Just do it. She's like, and she was being so fucking hard-headed. I don't want to. No, I've decided. Hey, I'm hey. not doing it. But anywho, so that was, since she was getting like that, I was like, oh, just, just, just learn how to play. Just play, just play, whatever. So one day I, we were sitting on my bed. And she looked over, and uh, and she looked over. And I could tell she was like her eyes were like a binocular looking at my emails because my email thing was open. I've been there. <laughs> you know the feeling. So she was playing guitar, and all of a sudden she looked at me. She's like, "Wait a second, where we're going is it? it's not near San Francisco, is it?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" She figured it out because and I looked really quick, and I saw that it said, "You know, meeting the, meeting between Nita Strauss and Jason Becker from a, Amy Becker." I was like, "What?" Where are we going? Where are we going? And he's like, no, no. He's like, I was like, how far is it? He's like, it's an hour. And I was like, is it six hours? He's like, no. And then he sent a fake email. Wait, no, no, no. So, and then it's part of it. So, so the, the part of it is it goes, so uh, she figured it out. I had I said, look, there's an app. I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's an app company that's interested in and they want you to be the face of it. And that's why, okay, you have to figure out, you know, uh, you wanted to find out. And I was like, 30 minutes later, I was like, you know what? I was like, oh, and by the way, I contacted his family about you playing his benefit show later on the year. So, because I knew she saw it. So I was like, you know, later on the year, but they said to contact them like, you know, two months before the show. And she was like, that's so awesome, right? So I sent the fake email to myself. So I saw her, she started practicing. So I started documenting the whole, like her learning it day by day. And um, I started learning perpetual burn. Yeah, she started learning perpetual burn. And so, and it's like sweep city. 
So I started, and I was like, I'm going to send it to the people. And so I faked emailed myself from another account and I said, hey, hi, greetings, Josh. Oh, my God, that video of Nita was amazing. He but, changed oh. his whole email typing style and everything. Yeah. I've done that. <laughs> and so I said that uh, the CEOs were so impressed by, the, by the, the video you sent that they extended their say and want her to come up to San Francisco so she could play for them in person. Do you mind doing that? And I sent it to her. I was like, look, just decide if you want to do it. If you don't, you know I hate driving, but if you want to do it, decide. She's like, no, let's go. Ran in the car. Drove there six hours and I was documenting different things. Like, where are we going? Uh, you know, we're going up there, like playing for this audition. I'm gonna get it. You know, I was like, okay, cool. She had no idea. We finally pull off into the exit, and all the pictures of the trip. She takes a picture of the exit sign, which is really strange. And all of a sudden, like, we go into a residential area, and she's like, and I, I kind of fucked up. I should have put a blindfold on her, but I didn't. So <laughs> we get into this and as like, usual. And she yeah. started freaking out. She was like, what, "Where are you taking me? What are you doing? What are you taking me?" And uh, and so she was, I was like, what? I was like, I was like, just uh, what? Please don't tell me this where you're taking me. I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm filming the whole thing. Oh, I have no doubt you are. <laughs> and so she was very like nervous, you know. I was like, just come up. And she's like, well, I was like, I have to pick somebody up. And she's like, well, what are you doing with the amp in your hand? I was like, oh yeah, he's good carrying point. my gear into the house <laughs> as right. he's telling me he's gonna pick somebody up. He's like, <laughs> he goes to the extent of saying, make room in the back seat. I have to pick somebody up. So she's like, well, if that's the case, then why do you why is your gear in my hand? I was like, oh, oh yeah, good point. <laughs> so I put it back in the car. We walked up, knocked on the door, opened the door, and she's like. As soon as you know they opened the door, she knew it was uh she knew right. who that person was. I knew who it was when we pulled up. Yeah. yeah. And so then there was Jason, and she was just like Ugh. totally blown away, completely. You know, it's 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 one thing to to see you know to know his story and see the movie, and then to really be in the room is just like it's just so inspiring. It's just it's just to be in that presence. He's he's just such a such a strong person, such a you know a fighter still making stuff happen is really really life-changing and how long did you spend with him about three hours i guess stayed there played you know played him some play i played his song first which uh was just terrifying you know playing you know playing playing a jason becker piece in front of anybody is, you, is terrifying him, right, what did he say before you started playing it remember yeah we were, we were like <laughs> making conversation and i said what do you think of all the covers of your stuff on on YouTube and then Josh goes yeah because there's everyone's playing it wrong <laughs> right before I play it right. he says that way to go and uh, yeah always building up my confidence yep, that's me. and uh, and Jason goes well you know it, with his with his translator he goes well you know it's not it's not so much that it's wrong and then he's like actually I better shut up now before you play <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was really really amazing really. Uh, inspiring you know i got to ask him some questions about you know advice that he had for for guitar players and all this stuff and just you know getting to play for him was was truly even even just the thought that i you know that i gave him a little bit of joy getting to play his songs right. you know was a great way to say thank you for all the all the gifts that he's given not just me but the guitar playing world as a whole what advice did he give you uh he said you know make sure you you listen to all different types of music don't just get stuck in one genre and and, uh, you know, develop your own style because, you know, if, if you just listen to one kind of music, if you just listen to one thing, then you're going to just turn into a one-dimensional one guitar player. So listen to a lot of different stuff and develop your own style around that, which is great advice. Like, who were your first influences? Vi. Vi. Vi, 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 Vi. And, you know, and I was really into Cacophony, you know, Jason Becker, Marty Friedman. Really, I was just always into the shred stuff. I was always into the super shred stuff. When did you first start? 13 after seeing the movie crossroads 
So that's 19, uh, what is that, 1999? I guess so, yeah. 2000, I think. So it's an interesting time for music, you know. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of short stuff really going on, but, you know, I I grew up in a house, like, without TV, without, like, you know, a lot of stuff, so there wasn't really a whole lot to do except play guitar. Right. You know, I was doing gymnastics before I started playing guitar, and then I picked up the guitar and literally never went back to gymnastics ever again. I was, like, nationally ranked and everything. I think when I quit, I was number nine in the U.S. Really? Like, yeah, I was ranked really high. And uh, I picked up the guitar. I saw Crossroads, and I went back to the gym one time because I had all my stuff in the locker. I was supposed to. I was supposed to have. Uh, I was supposed to go to practice at five p.m. Walked in at five fifteen. My coach tapped on her wrist. You know, you're late. And I was like, I know. I grabbed my stuff and I walked out and didn't even say goodbye. <laughs> Been my coach for eight years. Did you know who Steve Vai was, or did you have to look him I up? I didn't know after? who he was before the movie. And what was like the first uh, body of work of his you saw, like the David Lee Roth? Passion and Warfare. Right. Passion and Warfare was what I got into first. And still to this day, like I, I listen to that album and I, I hear things I never heard before. I've heard it thousands upon thousands of times. And uh, it's just it's just transcendent, that album. And then, so you, Steve Vai your first influence. And then did you gravitate towards any particular style? Just, you know, I, I, I played my first show with my first death metal band that year when I was 13. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was all, I was all about the heavy stuff. I was always about the metal stuff. Um, so yeah, so I, I just, I always just gravitate to louder, faster, harder, you know, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and that was, that was what, that was what sort of drew, that was what drew me to music. That was what drew me to everything. And it was an interesting, it was an interesting, you know, dynamic for a female musician and a very young female musician, you know, my first band ever, they're like, you know, I auditioned for them and. And they were like, uh, how old are you? And I was like, 15. I was 13. Right. They are like, well, that's kind of young. And I was like, well, do you have somebody else to do it or no? They are like, well, no. The first show's you know, in a couple weeks. Can you do it by then? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it by then. So we did play my first show ever. We played For Whom the Bell Tolls. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I was playing bass. I wasn't playing guitar. They said, can you play bass? I'd never picked up a bass before in my life. And I said, yeah. <laughs> that's just sort of been my MO in my entire career. If someone goes, can you play this? And I go, yeah. And then I go home and figure out how to play it. That's uh, pretty amazing. The other thing that's cool is like she's been touring like as a kid, like never stopping. Like I started at fifteen, started touring at fifteen, and just never ever stopped. And and you know they said I got a call, you know, to be in Jermaine Jackson's band. They said, "Can you play funk?" And I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> you know, didn't with my extremely limited understanding of what was funk guitar playing. I was like, "Yeah." I went and I listened to some stuff. I'm like, "That's not that fast. I can play that fast. That's not very fast." Boom, I got this. And I got there and, and just immediately realized, oh, this is a lot more than just playing fast. This is, you know, playing funk has nothing to do with playing fast, which is at that point, you know, all I knew. But I was like 20, 22, 21, 22. I'm from Santa Monica. I'm not funky at all, you right. know? Like, so luckily we had another guitar player in that band, Mike Scott, who's a phenomenal funk guitar player and, and you know, played with Prince and, you know, kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. So that, that that's been great. You know, it's it's... Uh, it was Pablo Picasso is the guy, the one that said, I'm always doing things that I cannot do. That is how I learn how to do them. And that's what I do with playing guitar. And it was uh, Jermaine Jackson. I mean, a good dude. He comes from a very interesting family. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah, we worked a little bit with, with Randy and Tito as well. And the f- funny, okay, so, so, so since we we're doing funny stories today, I can tell this one. I never get to tell this story. Uh, so we, I'm in rehearsals, and I, you know, again, 
Santa Monica, California, 21 at the time, you know, I, it's a very sort of limited idea of, of what was going on. So this, you know, we're coming back from lunch at, at rehearsal and this guy walks in and everybody in the room jumped up. They're like, Oh, hello. Hi, how are you? And I asked, you know, KT, the keyboard player, I said, who is that guy? He said, that's Randy Jackson. And I said, I've seen American Idol. That's not Randy Jackson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought he was wrong. And I was like, you're stupid. Like, he goes, no, that's Randy Jackson from the Jacksons. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a generation gap. It wasn't Randy Jackson from Journey. <laughs> yeah, Randy Jackson from American Idol. He played in like the really uh, kind of the glam era of Journey. Yeah. Which I liked. But Which I like too. I mean, you know, I have a weird taste in music. All into that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and then how's the, uh, the Iron Maidens gig come about? Um, the Iron Maidens thing came about, you know, it's, it's, I've heard that band referred to as a breeding ground for female talent, you know, for female guitar players. They've had uh, Neely Brosh, who went on to play with Tony McAlpine, you know, uh, Nikki Streamfield, they've got now is a great guitar player. You know, Courtney Cox, who's still in the band, is a phenomenal talent, my best friend. And, uh, Courtney came up to me as I was, I think I was doing signing at the, the NAM show, the NAM convention in, in Anaheim. And she said, uh, hi, I'm Courtney. I play guitar for Iron Maidens. You know, we've heard good things about you and we want to know if you would come down and audition. You know, and I said, can I be Adrian? And she said, no, I'm Adrian. I said, pass. <laughs> and because, you know, Dave's a blues guy. I'm not a blues guy. Right. Adrian's the sort of legato shred guy. And that's, you know, what I think of, at least think of myself as. Um, so some time went by and Courtney and I became great friends and uh, still are to this day. And then she came to me again and said, look, we've got this sold out show at the House of Blues in Hollywood, which is a hometown show for me. I never get to play at home. You know, we, we, we've got this, the show's already sold out. Our guitar player just bailed as a favor to me. Can you just learn, you know, 10 songs, 12 at the max and come in and do this, come do this show. I was like, how do you turn down playing Iron Maiden songs with your best friend playing at home, you know, playing at the house of blues, which is a great room, uh, and you know, making a couple bucks and you know, how do you say no to that? So I said, of course I'll do it. And then all of a sudden three years and 45 something, 45, 50 Iron Maiden songs later, I was still doing, it. I got to play all over the world with them. And it was awesome. You know, being in that band was like having a slumber party all the time with your best friends. And they just have to get up and play for 90 minutes, play rhyme of the ancient Mariner and some other stuff. And then go back to drinking and partying and boozing it up and getting on planes. And you know, it was a fun time. What's your favorite Iron Maiden song to play? Fear of the Dark. Oh, I love that song. Fear of the Dark or Flash of the Blade, which is funny. I didn't realize how my two favorite songs, Fear of the Dark, Flash of the Blade, are kind of like, but those are the two most fun to play for sure, for sure. Flash of the Blade is like a little more obscure. Not that many people know it, but Fear is fun because everybody, no matter where we are in the world, I've played that song, you know, all over South America and in Asia and in, in the U.S. And everybody sings along to that song. Everyone's screaming the guitar part. Just like Rock and Rio, whoa, you know. And, it's all good. Uh, you can take the call if you need oh, to. No, it's my alarm telling me to take my vitamins because I'm a rock star like that. <laughs> That's why you look so good. Though. That's why you can play at such a high level. Uh, yeah, this this one's got me on all kinds of vitamins and working out and uh, and eating right and all this stuff. 
Well, your travel schedule is insane. I yes. Mean, aren't you going to nuts. Europe, I think, within two days? Yeah, we leave days? for Europe on Tuesday, and uh, and I, I get back. Essentially, I get back January 2nd <laughs> for all intents and purposes. Oh, wow. So you go to Europe, and then? Well, we've got a few days off, and then we, uh, we hit the road. So I leave for Europe. I've got one guitar clinic in Paris on the 17th. Uh, and then we go straight to festivals. We're you know doing that, some headline stuff. And then we come back to the U.S. and join back up with Motley Crue. For their final... The uh, final tour, the second half of the final tour. Every, you know, it, it's funny. Everyone's going, the final tour was last year. Bullshit, I knew they weren't hanging it up. People don't take the time to, to read. It's a two-year-long tour. You know, you can't play everywhere in one year. It's just not possible, unless you're Metallica. Uh, so, the, you know, it's a two-year-long tour. We're, we're hitting the U.S. again, and then... Um, it's just now, just a few days ago, been announced uh, we're doing Europe with them as well. In That's the, awesome. So we'll be in the U.S. for uh, most of the fall, and then uh, Europe in October, and or yeah, Europe in November, and then back to the states in December. But I mean, Motley might turn into like the Kiss farewell tour, which I think is they been going can't. On. They signed a cessation of touring agreement. They can actually never tour as Motley Crue again after this. December thirty first will be the last show. I, you know, I just something about Nikki Six makes me believe there will be some angle. I, 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 knowing them as well as I do now, I can tell you Nikki is not done playing music, and you can look forward to a lot of six a.m. touring, a lot, a lot. And I just saw that band recently; they're on fire. Those guys are absolutely poised to take over the world. Like I can't wait to see what they do after this year. Is it neat to see Mick Mars, like who's like this guitar legend? Oh, it's amazing! Every night? It's absolutely amazing. You know, his his drive and determination is so inspiring. You know, he's he's really not well. He's not been well for some time, and uh, the the drive and love for his instrument that that drags him up on that stage every night is absolutely amazing. We did, I think, five six months with them last year, and we're doing most of this year with them, and uh, just absolutely amazing. Now, of course, being a big Kiss fan, I must ask you about being LA the, kiss the, uh, house. Here we go. no no I, I don't want uh you to uh i don't no, want no, any no. shit talking there uh, are actually you know what i'm the my whole story with that is so boring i have no hilarious gene and paul stories no gene stories i have not one he was so amazingly nice to me the whole time like gene and paul every interaction i had with them was so lovely um and I wasn't even supposed to do the national anthem. It's a funny thing. Everybody knows me for doing the national anthem at these shows. I wasn't even supposed to do the national anthem. I was just supposed to come in and, you know how, uh, you know, hockey games and stuff, they've got the organ player, the yeah. dun, 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 dun. Uh, they, they wanted to do this sort of like the, you know, you want the best, you got the best big kiss type extravaganza. You know, they've got concussion bombs when the, when the LA kiss scores a touchdown. They've got girls in micro bikinis dancing in cages suspended from the ceiling, you know. All this stuff. So they they thought instead of having an organ player, let's get like a shredding guitar player up there to to do the in game breaks. And then a few days before the first game, the first home game, uh, Harlan Hendrickson, who's their entertainment coordinator was at the time, called me up and said, "Do you know any singers that can do the national anthem? We're you know we're you know we're desperate. We really we want a name. We want someone cool to do it. We tried to get Slash, and he wasn't available." And I basically, like, over the phone, just basically got down. I was like, please, can I do it? Please, 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 please. You don't have to pay me anything. Like, I'll do it totally for free, which is probably the magic word. <laughs> with, with Gene, anything with Gene. Is you, you, uh... Uh, yeah, I said, don't pay me any extra. Like, you don't have to do anything. If, you don't, if I don't do a good job, I'll never do it again. You know, but please, please just let me do it one time. I'm a huge NFL fan. I'm a you know, big, big sports fan in general. 
and I'm a big America fan, you know, and, yeah. and playing the playing right. the national anthem at a, at a sports game is, you know, just was a dream come true. So I got to do it, you know, and I, I ran out, you know, the teams ran out, they stood facing each other. And I stood right in the middle and, and I got to honor America like that. And it was really, really amazing experience. Now, they say that's a hard song to sing live. Uh, is it a hard song to play live? Absolutely. The, you know, the pressure is on with that song like no other song. You know, that's that's one song you don't want to mess up. You know, I've actually like if if I don't have time to work on it, I won't like, you know, I know it well by now. But if I don't have time to go over it, I won't play it. You know, I'll I'll, I'll turn down, you know, a, a gig to play it because it's just you don't want to mess up that song. Yeah, I saw. Uh, You've seen enough people mess up that song, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I go to a lot of hockey games, and I've seen Slash play it, and he was great. Absolutely, Satriani plays it, amazing. Zach Wild was uh, totally amazing. I think his appearance scared the crowd. <laughs> like, oh my god, this guy's like a yeah, nicest. I was supposed member. to go to that game actually, uh, that Kings game. Yeah. How many pitch harmonics are in there? Uh, a lot, <laughs> and then, but the guy who butchered it, and I, you know, I'll say his name just not uh, out of uh, disrespect, but it just it. it you know, uh, it was uh, Michelangelo. Man, Michelangelo. He's he's such a he's such a great player, and he did, absolutely did he Michelangelo it. Well, he comes he out, uh, you know, four neck guitar. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, I'm not. That's his thing. Yeah, I I, I hear you. It's hear all good. You. Yeah. And his, you know, I'm just gonna say, listen, I'm not gonna w win any male modeling uh, contracts, <laughs> but um, you know, he had like this wild. Uh, I, I'm assuming wig on uh, and uh, is it a wig? Oh, never, absolutely, I absolutely. Never, see, I'm so oblivious to this stuff. I, I've 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 talked to him a bunch of times, seen him play a bunch of times, and and I love Nitro. There's another Jim Gillette. <laughs> I mean, come on, like a freight train. Yeah, but I, I it never occurred to me that it would be a wig. I, I'm assuming it is. I mean, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, as you know, many people who know me can vouch for. But uh, you know, he just started taking some uh, creative liberties with the song, and you know, it's just like that's the thing. You just can't mess up that song. And I actually got a lot of critique for my version of the song, and I tried to stay very true to the melody, but I did some improvisation at the end. You know, like I did some little shred stuff here and there. I tried to really hold back a lot on that song. And uh, a lot of people, man, they ripped me, ripped me apart on Facebook and stuff, wrote to me saying how disrespectful it was, you know, and then other people writing to me saying, oh, your, your version was better than Jimi Hendrix. You know, you just, you can't please everybody. Most of the time you can't please anybody. <laughs> you might as well just try to please yourself. Sometimes you're significant other. What? <laughs> well, I always say, uh, if you have an ego, no matter what you do, put the best five minutes of whether me being comedy, you playing guitar, you pumping weights. <laughs> um, put, so put it on YouTube, and the first comment will be, this person sucks. This person sucks. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I actually was talking to Jason Becker about that, you know, because I saw Jason Becker come to a kid's defense on YouTube. Some kid was playing, I, I think, one of his songs, and people were going, this kid that has no technique. It was some nine-year-old kid or yeah. something playing this incredibly difficult guitar piece. And Jason actually stepped up and wrote a comment on it and said, what do you guys have to do with your lives that's so important that, you know, or don't you guys have anything better to do with your lives than sit here and pick apart a kid for being enthusiastic and playing a song, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, these are my words, not Jason's. Yeah, maybe the song's a little bit out of his reach, but how cool is that? You know, Jason did not say that. Right, right. But yeah, I saw that video. 
you know, a, a more seasoned guitar player would have played it better, yes. But really, you have nothing better to do than go tear down a nine-year-old for playing a song that's a little too hard for him. Like, you know, what a what a crazy thing, what a crazy world it is that we live in, that people that people find the, the time. <laughs> Where do they find the time? I don't have the time. They've got it. <laughs> people come home from work like, ah, all right, let me get on YouTube and start ringing yeah. people, you know. And it was funny, half the videos I search, I just directly go right to the comments. You know, I'm like, oh, I want to see it, but I just look and just eat. It's like war, war, civil war in there. You know, people start. Oh, it's crazy. They start arguing with each other. It's yeah, funny. there's a big there's a big debate raging on on YouTube right now about whether or not I'm a cutter. I found out everyone thinks I, I wear. You know, what's that mean? Uh, cut you know, if I cut myself. Like you? Yeah, and people are going. She's so she's so talented. She has so much to live for. Why is why would she do something like this? And you know, and and I looked at the video they're talking about, and I did have an awful lot of stage blood on that day you know but people the guy that took the video said look i talked to her after that show she was cleaned up you know i, I you know it's tempera paints and the reason why i did it was i you know i replaced a guitar player named orianti in, in alice cooper's band and she had this sort of like little trickle of blood that she used to put like the stage makeup it looked like a sort of they called it zombie like she'd been you know vampire or drinking blood or something so you know, me with a perpetual chip on my shoulder, I come in and go, oh, she had a little bit of blood. I'll show you blood. I just start, you know, like I sort right. of have this whole backstory that I invented for myself about the blood that I put on. And I think about it when I'm applying it and just like basically just wanted to look like I was just, just got done with the fight of my life and now I'm going to go play a show. So I see what they're saying. I mean, there was a lot of blood all over my, a lot of tempera paint all over my arms at that show. But I mean, if, if I was, you know, if I was really going to, be like that kind of person i wouldn't i wear long sleeves or something that's the kind of thing you don't really like show off to the world like yeah look how bloody i am i don't think cutters do that in public they kind of stay at home yeah. and do that by yeah. themselves you know you know i don't i don't profess to know you know anything about the the depths you know of depression that you have to go to 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 get to that point but i'm a pretty happy person and 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 i love my job i love what i do i love you know i, I love just about everything about my life and if I was going to do something that dark and that negative, I certainly would, you know, and especially this, this great position I found myself in now, there weren't a lot of female guitar players to look up to when I was starting to play guitar. And now it's, it's so amazing. There's Orianti and Neely Brosh and Courtney from the Iron Maidens and myself. And there's this great surge of incredible female guitar players coming out right now. And I'm in a, a position to be a role model and show, show some girls, Hey, it's cool to play guitar. I'm not going to mess that up by going and cutting myself and showing the world this, you know, this negative thing. I'm very proud to be a role model for, you know, like the greatest, the greatest Facebook messages and tweets and stuff that I get are from parents saying, I took my daughter to see Alice Cooper and Motley Crue. And then she asked for a guitar for her birthday. And yeah, and same thing, you know, guitar clinics, there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of younger girls coming, you know, a lot of girls coming out to the clinics wanting to learn, you know, talking to me about that, saying that, you know, it's, it's great to, to get to do that for for some girls i didn't really you don't really have that i mean i'm trying to think of the jennifer last... batten who, i mean uh... who was incredible but i didn't know who she was you know back then she's playing for michael jackson i didn't know who she was michelle meldrum from phantom blue who i didn't know who she was so way later but i'm a huge fan i mean those were the only two i really liked until I mean, recently just not really i mean i could think of the donna's yeah allison uh, and then uh but she, she didn't really do a lot of solos, right? You know, I'm a shred, I'm a, I'm a shredder at heart. You know, I want to hear some, I want to hear fast guitar playing, like Friday night, like Friday night. Yeah, what's Friday night? Let's not speak in code. 
I, I don't even. Oh, oh yeah, the 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 benefit for Cliff Coltrary from Shrapnel Records. Right. A great uh, benefit. Uh, Steve Vai and Cetriani played in uh, Animals as Leaders. One of my favorite the new kind of shred prog bands. Uh, that was a lot of guitar playing. <laughs> Did you uh, want to get up there with them? Or? I wanted to, and then uh, the more they played, the less I wanted to. <laughs> oh. But you know, I, I you know, I, we, they did this jam at the end, and I, you know, I told Josh, I was like, "Man, I want to, I want to be up there. I could hold my own. I could do it." And then the more they played, I was like, "Ooh, I would want to practice a lot." <laughs> right. And me being a drummer, saying that, and I mean, I know good guitar players and stuff like that, but man, those guys are another level. Not, it's no, just like it's mind blowing because they would trade back and forth and go in, in the row and like solo off each other. And it's just like, how do you know this many techniques and licks? And it's just like yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, a lot of really licks, is. those guys. Well, they're a little older than you are, so they've had yeah. a little more time. Tosin to is young from Animals as Leaders, actually. Tosin Abasi is is young, but yeah, I the thing is, I'm 28. I can't bank on that anymore. Like you know, I cause, and I was I was 15. I was like I was the 15, you know, and I wasn't really that good, but people said I was good, so I thought I was good, and. Uh, but so I banked on them. Oh well, yeah. But they're better than me. But they're older than me. And now at twenty eight, that's sort of like a bad form. You know, I can't like someone. Someone said in a review, they're like, you know, people are getting in the comment wars. And uh, Glenn, Glenn actually is the one that showed me this. Glenn Sobel reads all the the reviews and all the comments. And uh, he goes, well, you know, Alice, Alice's band blew Motley off the stage, but Alice's band is half Motley Crue's age. And then someone wrote back and said, uh, only Nita Strauss is half Motley Crue's age. All the other guys in the band are Motley Crue's age. Well, you know, uh, to a degree. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the other guys in the band are, are are quite a bit older than me. But I don't, the thing is that all the, the, the gender thing, the age thing, the look thing, none of that really should be important. It's all about, at the end of the day, it's all about if you close your eyes, what you hear. And that's what I try to embody all the time. So, like, when you, in Guitar World, when they named you the number one uh, female guitar player to watch, uh, I mean, it's awesome. Oh, but man. How, how cool. I still get, like, thinking about that. But don't you, don't you want to be, like, is that in, not insulting to you, but, like, you just want to be known as a guitar player, not a female guitar player. You know, there's, that's, that's the age-old thing, you know, do, and, and so many people are like, why do you have to be on a list of female guitar players? Why can't you just be on a list of guitar players? And I was like, man, I'm just happy they know who I am. I'm just, you know, like when I got the, 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 I had just made a Facebook. I was like, I refused to make a Facebook for so long. I made a Facebook in 2011. And the like third Facebook message I got was from one of the editors of Guitar World saying, Hey, we didn't know how to get a hold of you. I'm glad you made a Facebook. Do you want to be on our list of 10 female guitar players you should know? And I said, Fuck yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought I was going to be number 10. You know, like I was just really like thankful to even be included. And, and you know this this female guitar player versus guitar player thing. In a, in a perfect world, would nobody care? You know how old anybody is and what anybody looks like? Maybe, maybe not. You know, but I'm just so happy that they put me on any list at any position. It was a great, great honor to to be at the top of the list. I still can't believe it. And they've done many of those lists since then. They've they've actually turned me onto a lot of great female players. You know, Irene Kedikidi is another one. Neely Brosh, who I mentioned before. Like, there's a lot of really phenomenal female guitar players out there i was just happy that i was number one on the first one <laughs> well it deservedly so thank you um now i know a lot of people you know i think alice cooper fans are kind of like kiss fans there's such a uh, affinity you know with kiss it's gene paul ace and peter and sure. no matter who comes after them it doesn't matter they mm -hmm. even like you know ace was probably uh, not the most technical of all players that have been in kiss 
but people still want to hear Ace. Absolutely. Do you find that Alice Cooper fans are like I know when Kane was in the band, he was told to modernize the sound a little bit. As were we, yeah. Um, do you find fans resist like play it like? Everybody's resistant to change, and fans most of all are resistant to change. Can you imagine if I if tomorrow I post a picture like you know I getting my hair done before tour and I post a picture with brown hair? The uproar. People don't like change. They want people to you know. I would have uproar too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you they, have uh, you know more want, invested. Uh... <laughs> they want to see. Yeah, well, he'd have an uproar because we just printed all the new merch <laughs> with yeah. blonde hair. That's it. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, but fans, you know, it's it's funny. It's so funny, man, to see the the uproar that fans get in about stuff. You know, if a band writes an album and they change their sound, or if a you know someone changes their image, or if a band changes members, you know, we're we're just out here doing the best we can. You like you guys listening, you've got to know that, you know. And I had to. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I really had to work hard to win over a lot of the Alice Cooper fans and a lot of the Orianti fans because I'm a very, very different guitar player than he's had in a long time. You know, like if you, if you look at someone like Al Petrelli, you know, the way that those guys play the songs, I play them a lot like that. Um, but you know, he's had recently, more recently, Steve Hunter and Damon Johnson and Carrie Kelly and Ryan, and he's got these more blues rock guys and Orianti is one of the greatest blues guitar players out there right now. And for me to come in being so different, you know, where our stage presence is completely different. You know, our, our attitude towards the guitar is completely different. Her fans did not like the change. You know, the fans of the sort of classic mellow, you know, blues kind of rock thing were going, the, some of the stuff they were saying about me, I was like, you guys really think that? You guys really think that bad about me? The, you know, Orianti was pure class. This new girl is, is classless and disgusting. And just like, she's up there showing off her body and, 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 shitting all over the songs somebody said like the songs don't need that many notes and and i was going and and then you know and then one by one they saw the shows they saw the chemistry between the band and the band really does have such great chemistry you know such phenomenal chemistry between us that in reviews people actually will say the show's too choreographed the show's not choreographed at all we just play off each other so well i'm like don't you guys see bands that have good chemistry anymore you know, like there's no, there's no, okay, now you go over here. Now you go over there. Now we stand back to back and then we do this. And, you know, there's a couple little things where we all go to the middle at the same time. You know, every band does that, but you know, the band just has great chemistry. And and once the fans started to see it, once they started to see it for themselves, seeing is believing experience is believing. And, and that's, uh, that's when they all started to come over. I think I got most of them now. I, I certainly hope so. And the one thing that I can tell any fan of theirs, any fan of Alice's, that it was on the fences. I just love these songs so much. I love being in this band so much. I love this gig so much. I really studied the set super hard and I play all the classic solos note for note like the record, you know, Billion Dollar Babies and Feed My Frankenstein, the Steve Vai solo that I get to do, you know, all these ones. I play them note for note like the records, which I haven't seen some of my predecessors do. You know, I, I really took a lot of time to study it and make it perfect. So hopefully hopefully that counts for something for for those who aren't sold yet. Now, I'm a big Desmond Child fan. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, Poison. I, well, House of Fire. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the whole Trash album he wrote. Mm -hmm. uh, do you guys play a lot of uh, cuts off that we era? We with House of Fire. I love that song. The headline shows. Yeah, we open up. Well, we start with... Uh, Hello, hooray! You know the intro track, but first song out of the gate, come out swinging with House of Fire. Really? Yeah, and and of course Poison. You know, which is uh, the first Alice Cooper song I ever heard, 
and the first one I tried to learn. And man, that song is hard to figure out. The chords are, are really weird to figure out. I actually do it in my clinics just to co- sort of showcase how not simple a pop song can be. You know, right. Poison is a pop song. It's a rock. It's a rocky pop song. And uh, the chord structure is is so unusual. You wouldn't think it because it's so easy to listen to. The very Desmond Child. It was a weird uh, video because I think uh, every guy in the video was just for the video. They weren't. Yeah, so I don't even like... think some of them. I don't even think played those instruments. Like I think my my friend's boyfriend at the time was the drummer, and he was actually a bass player or something like that. Like he just had like stand-in guys. He didn't have his. his they had good looking. Like, I think I think the drummer's really, name real was handsome, uh, like Vic Fox kind of or uh, yeah. something Fox. He was like he was in Vince Neil's band. Yeah, and Vin, I, that would be I, Vic Fox. He was a great looking dude. <laughs> was that him? Yeah, just in that video, and then I think the... We're saying this on Gay Pride Day. Uh, break <laughs> that yeah. way, bro. No, no, listen, I'm as straight as uh, Paul, you know, but I just got a good deal with on a condo. Le- and with those leather pants and the, those assless, and the shiny the shoes. Child's part of it. Yeah, but it has a girl, and I know you're a taken woman, but I'm not saying me in particular, but you see a guy in leather pants and uh, silver shoes, you're like, that guy's got something. On, well, on today? May- or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy's got balls. <laughs> right, literally, balls. Uh, what's your favorite Alice song to play? Um, I have to always go with Feed My Frankenstein and it's not one that everybody thinks but I just love that I get to play the Steve Vai solo because Vai's Vai's my guy. Vai's my hero and I learned that song note for fucking note and each every single night when I get to play that song I go yeah, I'm doing it. I'm playing the Steve Vai solo in front of all these people. Like it's it's a it's a fun moment for me. Do you remember how nervous were you? You're very what where was your first show with Alice? Uh it was okay should we get into the first show it's actually a funny story I, please well i know you got to go i like I, you know uh i know you're a very busy woman you want to chill before you guys <laughs> go to europe so so not- this will be the last of the the, the funny stories i guess but, and then uh, we'll get into the dirt no, yeah <laughs> uh yeah that'll, that'll be a short conversation <laughs> the most mellow tour i've ever been on so uh so everyone always goes well, how long were you guys in rehearsal how long were you this and that uh we so I flew out to Manistee, Michigan on a Monday, and uh, the airline lost my bag. So I had to do all all my rehearsals until the day of the show in a Dodger shirt and the sweatpants, the same Dodger shirt and sweatpants, and no makeup. You know, nice first impression I make on these guys. Um, so I flew out to Manistee, Michigan on a Monday. We did two days of uh, band rehearsal. You know, just sitting down in the dressing room, going over parts, going over stuff. We did uh, Tuesday, Wednesday band rehearsal, Thursday production rehearsal, Friday was the first show. So how many rehearsals did I get? Technically one, one real rehearsal on stage with Alice there. Um, but I mean, I'm a chronic over preparer, you know, so I came in, you know, Chuck, Chuck Eric, our bass player actually said this to me when we were in Australia a few weeks ago, he goes, when he goes, the second you walked in, I had the feeling you learned everybody's parts just in case I was like, I did. I learned all of them just in case I had something wrong. Just in case he said, Hey, can you cover this solo? Can you, I, I just over drilled everything, over prepared everything. So I walked in, there was, there wasn't really any time to get nervous. You know, there was one kind of moment where I looked over during the first show and the, you know, we come out through a, a, a curtain of fire, these sparks. I looked over and I saw Alice fucking Cooper there. And I was like, Whoa, now this is cool. But it wasn't really nerves. It was just like, that's awesome. You know? Now, who's the band lead? Is there like a, not a conductor, but is it like Ryan or? or... Um, Chuck Garrick has been in the band the longest. I think he's been in the band 13 years now. So he, he has a really good handle on the stuff. He sort of uh, has a, a great uh, a great idea. And, and Tommy Hendrickson is, is a producer. So the, the two of them kind of throw everything together. Um, 
Chuck and I have butted heads more than once over me playing too many notes. <laughs> uh, but Chuck's always got the the song at heart, so I always try to try to listen to him in that respect. Is it because he's used to other uh, players uh, playing less notes? No, I don't think it's really so much other players. I think he just Chuck knows when it's time to rein me in because I do tend to just go off and and go into into hurricane mode and and forget about the song. And I know that you know I know I have a tendency to. You know, I'll step all over anybody's song if they let me. Right. So, uh, so Chuck does. He'll go, hey, maybe try this, that, and then I go, well, that's my solo. I mean, this is my time to do my thing. He goes, I know it is, but maybe you could just do this. And uh, you know, he's he's got a great way of you know, great way of kind of dadding me into doing stuff. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun. No, no, I mean, I. You know, it's hard to not ask you the basic questions, but, you know, this is the part where you plug everything you can. Everything I can. Well, uh, I mean, the main thing is just uh, NitaStrauss.com, the new new and improved, revamped uh, website experience is coming soon, and I'm really, really excited. It's like the coolest merch I've ever had by far, and uh, I'm really, really excited about it. Well, the unisex shirt I bought uh, about uh, an hour ago, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm secure with my sexuality to walk around in that shirt. It's it's a very brightly colored shirt. <laughs> um, and then on Twitter. Hurricane Nita on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Nita Strauss, Hurricane Nita on Instagram. Well, Nita, Josh. Yes, yes. Uh, I, you guys are awesome, and, uh, I would and thank you very much to Josh for setting this up for us all to to chat. Yes, because I'm sure it was weird to, uh, you know, I'm sure you get weird uh, emails and fa- tweets and Facebook messages. Hey, do you want to do my podcast? And I think the weirdest thing is probably you. Man, we got to do this thing, and then you bail out on me <laughs> <laughs> and ruin, you know, you know, the setup for it. But yeah, the first time. But yeah, it's all good, man. Cool. Don't make me feel bad. <laughs> He's, He's making him feel bad on his own show. <laughs> you know, when, when Hollywood calls, you have to answer. Yeah, yeah, I've been here for 10 years. I know how people can get it. So. It's like if Alice calls you a couple hours ago and says, Nita, I, I, I gotta, we're going to write a New Testament Child song. I, you know, you, I'm on I a plane. would understand. I'm you on got, a plane. I'm you got, you got to bail out. Absolutely. I've, so got to uh, keep steaks in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> daddy's got to, you know, make sure I have enough money to buy uh, Kiss shirts. And, 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 and the <laughs> Equinox membership. Shirts. Equinox is like 300 bucks a month. So, you know, I, I got to look good. You know, I love wearing my Alice Cooper shirts at Equinox because... You know, these people look at me like I have no fucking money and I'm just like a lowly metalhead. And they I really... get looked at like that all the time, too, because all I wear is band shirts. Yeah. Oh, I love wearing like, you know, I, I wore a Jackal shirt to Equinox. That is so funny. Ryan and I were just talking about Jackal. I, You know, Jackal is one of those bands that you don't hear a lot about. You don't hear the songs on the radio. But, man, everybody has a Jackal shirt. Well, they make a great... Uh, you know, this shirt. We you know. actually used to count the Jackal shirts. You know, Ryan and I. Oh, here's a great thing to plug. Ryan and I do a, every single show. We do a, a free meet and greet. Ryan calls it Rock and Roll Parking Lot. He used to call it Roxy's Rock and Roll Parking Lot. But now he changed it to the International Rock and Roll Parking Lot since I'm doing it with him all the time. And it's uh, you can sign up for free at Facebook.com slash Rock and Roll Parking Lot. And uh, before every single show, Ryan and I go out and uh, do like a little free meet and greet. Talk to people, you know, sign stuff, take pictures. Uh Ryan always brings his Gibson out, you know, the one he's going to play on stage that day and lets people, you know, check it out. And 
and uh, we and we actually had like sort of a game last summer on the Motley <laughs> Crue tour, counting the Jackal shirts <laughs> at well, Rock and Roll parking lot. Well, they uh, they make great shirts, and uh, do they know, have? Is it the that the merch is really cool? Is that why everybody has a Jackal shirt? Maybe well, I need to get one. And unbeknownst, well, the one I have is just a band picture of the five guys. Do you have a chainsaw one or anything? Like no, but. You got to be careful when you wear certain shirts in certain gyms. So I think Josh will vouch that uh, Equinox. Well, is I work a, out at this. Well, I shouldn't say yeah, what gym I work out. Well, well, okay. I work we out at the street the from gym. your house. <laughs> but let's just say it's a uh, a dude heavy gym, man. Uh, and very safe for me. Very safe for you, and uh, for me and Josh, it's dangerous. And uh, especially for Josh. Oh yeah, this guy. He's much better looking than I am. I'm just like I'm a little too butch for these guys, but. Uh, <laughs> When I had this Jackal shirt on, every gay guy in, in the gym was cruising me. And I'm like, why is today any different? I'm, I'm wearing just a ratty old Jackal shirt until I got home and realized that on the back, it says, rock me, roll me, Jackal me off. Uh, of course it so. does. How about the time when uh, Jackal cut up uh, Tom Green's desk? You remember how awkward that was where Tom Green was all pissed off? Well, I don't think Tom understood uh, the... Uh, That's like what they do. They have a weird sense of humor. Uh, yeah, I saw them at uh, Rocklahoma, the first yeah. one. And I felt really bad for Queensryche because Jackal was great and he was doing this southern shtick. They have uh, they have Tall the Tour in Queensryche or was that... This was... Uh, Oh, Jeff was uh, the singer, and uh, but the, since it was in prior Oklahoma, uh, the crowd was really behind Jackal. They're a jackal, and the yeah, Southern. Totally. Uh, well, Queensrÿche, you know, I've I've played a lot of shows with Queensrÿche, and uh, the funny thing is, they're they're a hard band. I've seen them so many times. You know, we've played. You know, when I was in Femme Fatale, we've played. I played with Queensrÿche a handful of times, and a lot of people just don't get them. And then, but when they do get them, it's amazing. It's like totally, totally like. Just like this transcendent, oh my God, Queensryche experience. But when they don't get it, man, they don't get it at yeah, all. Yeah, this southern crowd was like, uh, Jackal was doing an autograph signing at like the hot dog stand. And no, no, yeah. not, that's what that's where it was. And literally the <laughs> whole crowd. That's where I want to do all my signings from now on. Oh, he was great. Are the, you kidding the, me? The whole you crowd do that? went to the hot dog stand and Queensryche playing in front of like, you know. It was like that when we played on the Monsters of Rock cruise with Queensryche and they were playing on the pool stage, you know, like it was like sunny out by the pool people swimming and stuff and they're playing queen of the reich and this just didn't go over and i saw him the next day in the auditorium and it was amazing you know queen's reich was one of those bands and alice is kind of like that too you know on the motley crew tour last year we did uh a lot of outdoor we did a lot of amphitheater shows and you know we'd be playing and it'd be like sort of broad daylight we're not really that band <laughs> you know alice is is 67 yeah. years old you know and uh queen's reich is kind of like one of those bands too they do really they're they're really transcendent in their in their environment, in their milieu, if you will. Yeah. Well, you need to play. I I don't like metal shows in the daytime. No, man. I saw I saw I saw Behemoth on Mayhem play at like noon, <laughs> just yeah. noon in San Bernardino with all that makeup on. I'm like, it just must be dying. Well, yeah. I saw Y and T. They were uh, at Rocklahoma too, and I felt so sorry for Dave Minichetti. He was like in yeah. full leather we and played with, i played with them with them too they played on a great he's, show oh man. he's uh so underrated yeah uh, totally but uh, i just was wow they must be pretty bummed out there in full leather uh-huh sweating they look like they're in a steam room and that's the, crowd... the thing you know the, the guys in my band you see pictures of us all on stage they wear these heavy jackets and all this stuff i can't do it i can't be hot on stage like 
I, you know, like I would die. <laughs> well, you're hot. You're gonna be hot in an igloo. So uh, <laughs> that's a really bad line. But uh, uh, no, I no, love I, Ryan. I liked it. <laughs> well, so you better step up, dude. You know, just, uh, we'll, we'll talk after this thing's over. No, you could kill me. I mean, I first was exposed. Jason to Ro- Becker called him a smooth dude. Oh, oh, this guy. You should see this guy at Equinox. He just got his little beats on. He's walking around. You know, like, I didn't even want to talk to you when I first met you. <laughs> I get that a lot. I well, you're an intimidating guy. <laughs> but when you get to know me, I'm the biggest goofball, man, you know? But, but I mean, I can, tur- I can flip the switch real quick and shit can get serious. But, I mean, I'm a big goofball, you know what I mean? Like, but I get that a lot. That's well, I can't, you know, without you, I wouldn't have Nita on my couch. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I love the band now. I mean, Ryan Roxy, I think, is awesome. He is awesome. You Which know. is cool because Alice is saying, I uh, read right in the interview, that it's his favorite lineup that he's had in a long time. I, I saw that too. What a what an amazing thing! And he's told that he's you know some of the stuff people tell me Alice says about me is crazy. Alice told Alice told somebody a, a fan came up to me. They're like, Alice says you throw the best spiral of the band. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. And that's quite a compliment. <laughs> thinking the lineups, you know, that he's had. I mean, she just showed me the Wikipedia of the Alice Cooper. Band. It's crazy. I'm like, what? The? This is all the same band. <laughs> when you branch out to like uh, like. You know, the one era I really dug was, you know, Kip Winger, Kane, uh, Ken Mary on drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who the keyboard player was, Paul Taylor. Mm-hmm. Really and it was amazing. Like, yeah. Wow. And then you. Yeah, it was 88, 89. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. From the year you were born. <laughs> Alice has come back kind of into the back end of the scene. Mm-hmm. And then he's been going strong ever since. Yeah, so. that was after he, he, he became sober and, you know, sort of got everything together and. Came out stronger than ever. And then, you know, for a while it was kind of hard to follow, like, who was in the band because it would, you know. This revolving door of the of the greatest guitar players in the whole world. Yeah, it was like, my God. You know, I, was, you know I, just, I just look at that list and I look at my name on that list, like, list of Alice Cooper guitar players. And my name is on there. And Al Petrelli's name is on there. And Steve Hunter's name is on there. And Red Beach is on there. And I was like, and me. I just can't believe it. That's pretty. Like, I still can't believe it. That's well. It speaks to your abilities, and uh, not only are you a great guitar player, uh, but you're you know a really nice person. I'll so. stop it some more. No, I'll stop seriously. It. <laughs> I'm an ass kisser. I know how to play the game. <laughs> All right, get the, get wipe your nose. <laughs> All right. So on that note, uh, I can't thank Nita enough. Uh, Josh, uh, you know, uh, no, I'm just. I kidding. see how it is now. <laughs> it's but go. Uh, when is the new merch on NitaStrauss.com? Uh, we to be announced very soon. If you if you check out all the social media, all the all that the the official announcement, the official release date is is very very soon. It should be in, in the next week or so. But go there now because there's still some great some. I bought a shirt for fifteen dollars. Yeah, the, all I, the old stuff's on sale. Getting getting room, get, uh, making space in the garage for the new stuff to come in. So all this all the all, all the old stuff's cheap right now. I mean, she's got all the tube tops for girls. <laughs> uh, tank tops, know, yeah. T- tank tops. I mean, she's got. Uh, I have a feeling you got the tube top. Tank top thing. <laughs> no, I needed the at double XL. <laughs> Believe me, I've been to a few metal shows. You could probably throw a triple and a four XL in there. No, uh, honestly, I saw more two XL than anything else. Because well, you know, you wash it once and warm, and then it shrinks right. to the perfect fit. <laughs> now it's, this is really gay. Now that I'm giving uh, laundry <laughs> advice. Oh, you get that black, the black detergent for your concert shirts. Oh, absolutely, yeah. it's a whole thing. Yeah, the dark detergent. You got to do it. I got a Vinnie Vincent Invasion shirt that yeah, fits you gotta me keep like that thing straight. You got the nice flying V in there. The double V. Listen, Vinny, just please get back in the game at some point. Uh, I'd enjoy that. Well, you know, it's just like. I, I, 
you're kicked out of Kiss three times in two years, <laughs> and then your name's Vinnie Vincent, and you get kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. That's, yeah, it's impossible. You can't kick Alice Cooper out of the Alice Cooper band. It's like no, it's his band. Let that happen. <laughs> but uh, follow Anita. They're touring the world. Uh, Motley Crue tour. I'll be there at Staples Center. That um, is awesome. I won't be there at Staples Center, but you'll be there. Oh, why won't you be there? Uh, Alice Cooper, unfortunately, to as as far as I know at this point in time, uh, we are not going to be on the final few shows. That is going to be a Motley Crue extravaganza. Well, way to bring the uh, interview to a to screeching halt. <laughs> a screeching halt. Well, <laughs> no, you, me. I'm saying me, not you. I, I will. Uh, I will. You know, you never do know what will happen. I'm. I yeah, Anaheim uh, will will be at the Honda Center in Anaheim with them. Uh, that right now is looking like the the last show for us on the tour. But I'm I'm an LA kid, born and bred. I'm still I still have my fingers crossed that some some miracle will happen and we'll be on the final few shows. Well, let's just all put our uh, fingers crossed, toes crossed, and point them in the direction of Nikki Six and Vince yeah. <laughs> Neil and Tommy and uh, and Mick too. And uh, let's get uh, that final show together. But that's going to be a great show in Anaheim. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I mean, it'll be kind of like coming home for me. I played there so much at the LA Kiss games because that's their home stadium. And uh, do you not do that anymore, just because you're too busy? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the the season's on right now, and and uh, I'm just, I gotta go. I gotta go work. And that's the video that helped her get the gig, by the way. Yeah, they said. Uh, uh, they, uh, they said, "What what do you have that that you can show Shep Gordon?" And I thought, I said, well, I guess I could show him playing some Iron Maiden songs. He's not going to get that. What better to show them than the national anthem? So that's what I sent. And then uh, the next day they wanted to meet me. And then that's the video Jason Becker saw. How awesome is that? Well, I'm sure Gene Simmons is probably drawing up a lawsuit right now to <laughs> get his little hands on he was something. Jim Florentine said that. <laughs> I mean, Gene, uh, he had anything remotely to do with anything. It's you know, I, I'll, I'll leave it with, a, with this, this great positive thing. The, the last thing that uh, Paul said to me when I, after my last L.A. Kiss game, um, Paul was walking out to his car and I was walking in my dressing room and he actually stopped and said, Nita, you know, Stodgy Tracks turned around, you know, walked about 15 feet back to me and just said, hey, well, I understand that this is your last game with us. I just want to thank you. And we're, you know, Gene and I both are really sorry to lose you, but we're happy you're going to such a great camp. We're very happy. You know, Eric Singer, of course, oh, was in Alice for years. And, you know, they're they're very close with the Alice camp. And he said, we're, we're really bummed to lose you, but we're really happy. If we have to lose you to anybody, we're happy it's to the Alice Cooper camp. Well, that's a very nice thing for Paul to say in that. I've never had Eric Singer on because I don't have enough uh, recording time on this thing. Eric, Eric <laughs> loves to talk a lot. Because I used to see Eric and Ryan in this band called Glam Nation. Glam Nation, yeah. Which was uh, just an awesome... Totally. Uh, I think it was Eric Dover was singing and mm-hmm. uh, Teddy Zigzag. And, uh, I still haven't met Teddy Zigzag. Everybody talks about Teddy Zigzag. I think he's somebody I would like to hang out with. Well, in that concert where Ryan made me buy two Kiss tickets and my car was Eric Singer... <laughs> Teddy Zigzag and uh, Stefan Adika, who's uh, oh yeah 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 you know, a legend always, yeah on the but can you imagine all yelling at me for driving too slow <laughs> and uh, Eric just well talking. when we when we're in Anaheim I think we're I think we're gonna have a day off in L A I will drag personally drag Ryan down here and make him sit on this couch and talk and have talk war stories with you oh please as long as I can listen oh yes and I'd like to get Eric Singer in but tell Eric it's only five minute uh, limit on how you can overtake the conversation <laughs> Eric was giving me stand up advice I'm like, yeah, come on. I don't give you advice on fills 
Guys, inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes, uh, but become Anita Strauss fan uh, because she's just, uh, I've never met a nicer person on earth. And, uh, you know, it's good karma. Uh, Josh is a great dude, too. One of the highest downloaded episodes ever of Inappropriate Earl. So uh, thank you. Leave the dirty YouTube comments for my show, uh, please. I don't get offended. <laughs> and, uh, you know, publicity is publicity. And this will be out very soon. Thank you guys for listening and the support. And we'll see you next week. Inappropriate Earl. <laughs>